Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Up. My name is Chad Kroger. A Meyer shot that sort of deflected. No, was he the door off? Oh, that wasn't right, sir. Door. Should watch the game, your answer. Yeah, great period. It's probably one of the best periods in about a month. That was awesome. What a freaking boost. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Brouth. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Brouth of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is now brought to you by... North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler, pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid, visit them. 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. After yet another Canucks win, we are once again coming to you live from the, Can- uh, the, the Canucks studio, the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. There you go. Let's get to the rundown, shall we? Three guests on a Wednesday. Jeff Merrick's going to join the program at 6.30. Uh, there's a lot to get into with Jeff from around the National Hockey League, but we will start with the Vancouver Canucks. 6-3 winners over the Ottawa Senators last night at Rogers Arena. Jeff's going to join us at 6.30 at 7.40. Note the start time, 7-4-0. Chris Peters, our hockey prospects expert from Flow Hockey is going to join us the day after Canada was dumped from the World Juniors. But good news for the Canucks, the trio of Swedes are narrowly, narrowly on their way to the semifinals. So we'll talk to Chris about all that at 740. Uh, 8 o'clock, Randeep Janda. He was on the call with Brendan Batchel last night as the Canucks took care of the Sens 6-3. So working in reverse, uh, 8 o'clock, it's Randeep, 740. Chris Peters, 630. Jeff Merrick, we have a lot to get into. So without further ado... Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Elias P- Pedersen... Two goals in a five-goal first period. That was more than enough for the Vancouver Canucks as they held on to a 6-3, as mentioned, against the Sens on Tuesday night at Rogers Arena. Yeah, the Canucks definitely got a few bounces in the first. There were some weird goals that went in, uh, but they also dominated the Senators. And they had the Senators who are trying to learn how to play with structure and composure under new-slash-old head coach Jacques Martin. Martin. Um, the Sens were completely off balance for most of the 20 minutes and the Canucks were, I don't know if they were deserving of a five, nothing lead, but they were certainly deserving of a significant, significant lead after, 
uh, after 20 minutes. Um, when you play in another team's end and you are winning races to the puck and you are creating turnovers, you know, that Tarasenko guy just turning the puck over to to Elias Pettersson and that type of things happen, you know, like good things are, are, are bound to happen for your team. PD, as you mentioned, had two goals, including one on the power play. He was really good last night. Um, and, you know, the, the next two periods, predictably, like the, I, I don't think anyone expected the Canucks to have a 15 nothing lead by the end of uh, the night. Uh, the Senators, you know, they were probably embarrassed by what happened in the first period. And the Canucks, it's only human nature. When you've got a five-goal lead, uh-huh. maybe you get a little bit sloppy. Um, I know that was the talk after the post-game show because you got to have something to complain about after a game. Uh, you have to have something to go like, yeah, but... Yeah, they didn't play particularly well in the second and the third period. But listen, they had a five goal a five goal lead, you know. And I don't think there was any point in that game. Like, I watched the Huskies nearly blow it in a colossal way mm-hmm. um, in the semifinals. Um, I never had any feeling of worry um, watching the Senators. You know, they made it five two, and I suppose they nearly made it five three, but they they didn't. And even if they had made it five three, it still would have been a two goal lead. Um, overall, I thought it was a great bounce back uh, from the Philly game. And you know, we had mentioned uh, yesterday when we were previewing the game, like the Canucks um, have done really well to respond to poor outings, and they have only lost two in a row twice this season yep. that is that is remarkable um so listen I, I know you know people are gonna say the Canucks let the Sens back in and that's not what playoff teams do I'm like yeah it is <laughs> it happens all the time happens even the good team even the good teams let their foot off the gas right like it it, it it just happens it's natural maybe you get a little bit careless with the puck and I know Rick Tockett was mentioning that and listen you have to acknowledge it you have to say like L- listen guys maybe that's a bit of a lesson learned but I don't know they still won by three goals and uh now they've got a real tough road trip, not just the length of the the trip. It's seven games, and not just the fact that you're going to start uh, or you're going to play at one point three games in in four nights, but you're going to play some really good teams, including teams like the New York Rangers and the New Jersey Devils. But overall, a great, I thought it was a great night. They they played well in the first period, and they won the game in the first period. Yeah, and that's exactly what the head coach Rick Tockett had to say in the aftermath as well. Here's a little back and forth. First three questions of his media availability, all from Sportsnet 650's very own Brendan Batchelor about last night. Rick Tockett said, great first 20, maybe our best of the season. Here's more from the Canucks head coach after a 6-3 win over Ottawa on Tuesday night. Rick, let's start with the first period tonight. How pleased were you with the way your team came out of the gate, especially after the four-day break? Yeah, great period. It's probably one of our best periods in about a month. That was awesome. What did you like about it the most? Like everything, just uh, you know, just aggressive tracking. Um, not too many mistakes. I just thought you know, everybody was uh, we were connected. JT just talked to us and said. The same things about the first period, but then was somewhat critical of the final 40 minutes. How challenging can it be when you have an early lead in a game like that going forward? And yeah, I, I, I don't think it's challenging. That. We you just got to you know we didn't play the right way. 
Hey, take the two points, but it's a learning lesson for us. I did not like our 40. I hope the guys didn't, but, but uh, hey, we won the game. Love our first period, so that's basically my assessment of the game. Hey, I have a question. Yes. What is the difference between a learning lesson and a lesson? Uh, a learning lesson <laughs> is something that you will gain knowledge from. Yeah, that's a lesson. A lesson is just it's like it's like a rote sort of. Well, normal lessons you don't always in, yeah. you don't always get the information going into your brain. A learning lesson is a successful lesson. A normal lesson is one you just tune the teacher out. Yeah. Or is it possible yes. it's just an unnecessary word that he uses? Maybe, but it sounds nice. Oxford's Dictionary <laughs> yeah, defines a lesson as yeah. an amount of teaching given at one time, mm. a period of learning or teaching. So I suppose we could say... It's an unnecessary word. I'm just making a joke. But, There's no difference know. between a learning lesson and a lesson. I just let, like It's one of those things that Talkett says. But maybe there's the lesson, lesson you don't learn from. It's just a lesson. Talk is like, we've had normal lessons. <laughs> they did not go well. <laughs> this is a learning lesson. It's the opposite of a learning lesson. That was last season. Actually, Talk had to be on his toes last night because um, even though the Canucks had that 5 nothing lead in the first, Phil DiGiuseppe got hurt. So yeah. the lines were not in a blender, but um, a lot of different wingers had to play with JT yeah, Miller. PSC and was all over the place. And Brock Besser, yeah. Suter played with those guys. Mikheyev played with those guys. Dakota Joshua played with those guys. Hoaglander played with those guys. Like, it was uh, it was kind of all over the map. And maybe one of the more interesting things looking ahead to the game Thursday in St. Louis is who um, is going to go back into the lineup or who could get called up and go into the lineup because right. – Remember we went into yesterday's game and we said, okay, well, based on the practice lines, it looks like Di Giuseppe is going to be back in. And yes, Di Giuseppe was back in before he got hurt. Um, but then we also thought that it was probably going to be Nils Hoaglander who was going to be the healthy scratch. Now, Rick Tock had never fully committed to that. And he said, hmm, we got a game time decision to make. And yep. ultimately a game time Hoaglander played, but Nils Amon came out of the lineup. Well, Di Giuseppe's hurt. Uh, now, so it doesn't sound like he's going to be back anytime soon. Was there an update on? Yeah, on, there on was Giuseppe? an update. It is a, it's a lower body injury. Talkett confirmed that post. Okay. Talkett also confirmed that he wouldn't be playing for a little while. Right. Uh, but then he also had he hadn't talked to the doctors yet. So I guess the initial reaction was okay. It's a significant enough injury that's going to knock him out of the lineup for the foreseeable future. So I'll be curious to see who comes up from Abbotsford. You know, chances are it's probably going to be Linus Carlson, just because. Everyone's familiar with him. Sure. He's he's been up before. He knows how to fly on the charter. But yeah, well, is that rules. hard? They're rules, really. Yeah, okay. I can't tell you about them, but they're oh. rules. Oh, okay, all right. Well, m maybe it'll be someone else um, from Abbotsford. Um, you know, Jeremy Calton might have someone else that he wants to reward or to, or tell Rick Tocket that he's been doing a good job. Um, we'll see. That's something uh, to monitor going forward, though. Um, overall, though, like I, I honestly, I know there. are on the post game show, they wanted to talk about, you know, the the second and third periods. Well, they did. That, they did. I don't want to. I don't want to correctly state what sat and okay. Big, we're talk, talking about. They were talking about the dynamic of do we praise a six three victory yes. and a terrific twenty minutes. Yes. Or do we talk about the final forty? And I was like, "Don't talk about the final forty. The game was over." I barely watched. I barely watched the second and third periods. I was so just did the Canucks. I was just. I was just kind of like putting together the show prep notes, and I would look up every once in a while, and you can get you can get a kind of a feel for a game. Yeah. 
there was no sense that the Sens were going to come back and tie that game. Noted like Canucks trade target really Vladimir wasn't. Tarasenko did score twice uh, in the latter half. Yeah, th- of that those are game. the types of goals he scores now, like the big goals greasy, to make them he's a greasy guy to now. make it like a four goal game and then a three goal game. As the comeback begins in the comeback <laughs> NHL. Okay, so Drancer did have uh, a couple interesting questions of Rick talking because you said quite astutely, I might add, that good things happen. When you have the puck in the opposition's end and you're continuously applying pressure. And Drance sort of went down that road with Tockett, alluding to the way that the Carolina Hurricanes conduct their business. I don't know if you heard this or not, but the essential the question, and it wasn't even necessarily a question, it was Drance. He just threw out a fact and then was like, talk about it. Um, that, you know, if you can continuously put a team in un- uncomfortable spots, eventually things like last night will happen where yeah. maybe you don't necessarily deserve to be five goals up in the first period. And maybe you're getting not one, not two, but, I mean, how many of those goals were really fortunate plays? I mean, Suter ripped that one to make it 6-3. <laughs> so, I mean, that was... That guy's got a cannon. That kind of summed up the Sens' night. It's like, and now this is going in. <laughs> but, uh, and, and it's an interesting thing, because I think when you when Talkit discusses the staples and the non-negotiables and all the hockey speak and coaching cliches, there is a bigger end game than just sticking to your principles. And I think what it is, is safe. can you put a team and the opposition in enough, enough uncomfortable positions where things are going to happen for you? You don't have to jump out of your shoes to try and score a goal. and You don't have to break the mold to try and make a play. It's just you keep doing the same things over and mm-hmm. over again. And eventually, and I'm not saying puck luck, okay? I don't want to go down that road because I don't think you can rely on puck luck. I think what the the overall synopsis is, is that if you can play a certain style and dictate what you want to do on your opponent, then nights like last night will happen. But more often than not, you'll be able to, one, know what you want to do, and then, two, have the predictability where guys know where they want to be on the ice. And I think those are all keys to why the Canucks have been so good this year and why they've only had two two-game losing streaks this season. Yeah, just to add on to that, because I think that's really worth hammering home um, in the house of positivity. Only losing twice in a row twice this season, they're almost at the ha- halfway mark of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really impressive, and it's yet another sign that the team has matured and can be honest about how it's playing, whether it's playing well or whether it's not playing well. And do you remember we came into the season and we said, it's time to raise the standard? Yeah. And it's time to stop um, using the kid gloves on these guys. And, you know, as fans... You know, sometimes we're like, we don't want to put too much pressure on them. What if they crumble? Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) if they crumble under the pressure, then get rid of them. Yeah. Right? Like, that's that's great. You know, I'm, I'm actually really glad, and I remember saying this before, I'm glad that we started the season with a ton of pressure on the Canucks because we 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 got a learning lesson about this team, right? We learned something about this team. As opposed to a lesson. Yeah, as opposed to just a lesson, right? Well, there are vast differences, apparently. Um, but we saw that this team, when it has pressure, and when it's pre- and this is key, guys, when it's properly prepared, mm-hmm. can do some good things. Um, you know, the team has matured. And as I said, they can be honest about how they're playing. But this is the key. They need to know 
what they have to do to be successful. And there were times, you know, in the last few years when like they'd have a good bounce back or whatever, they'd play well for a stretch and kind of be like, well, what's the key? And they're like, I don't know. We just played better, mm-hmm. right? There are, you know, it's a huge deal when you actually understand your game yep. and you're being prepared properly and you're begin- being given honest feedback. Um, when you compare Rick Tockett's team right now to the way they kind of just like were blindly blindly finding their way around under previous coaches oh, yeah. like there is no difference and there's a reason that Tockett is right at the top of the favorites to be co- named coach of the year in the NHL this year. Uh before we move on to other topics this morning, shout out to friend of the show Ian Cole, former guest on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650, scored his first goal in 90 games last night. Obviously, it was his first goal as a Canuck. Uh so good on Ian Cole there. That uh, was a nice play by Petey to let that go. Petey was very good last night. Yeah. Petey, there was a lot I think of guys it was McKay rimmed it around and then Petey could have picked it up on his backhand. But he, what do you call that in soccer? A dummy? A dummy. Yeah. You just let it run through your legs. Yeah. So he just let it run up the wall. That was famously and... done by Mario Lemieux at Salt Lake in 2000, I want to say. That was yeah, I... similar stakes last night, too. Yeah. It was the same thing, Yeah, basically. Okay. Speaking of scoring goals, uh, some more great times for the Vancouver Canucks because Jonathan Lekaramaki is putting on a show for Sweden at the World Juniors. Yesterday, if you were listening to our show or watching it, on the live stream, you'll know that we were running right up against uh, Canada's eventual and stunning loss to Czechia at the World Juniors, knocking the Canadians out in the quarterfinals. But for Canucks fans, this tournament was always going to be about two things. One, Team Canada. And then two, the mm-hmm. trio of prospects playing for Team Sweden. Well, Team Sweden, by the skin of their teeth, got past Switzerland 3-2 in overtime yesterday. And Lekker Mackey had his fingerprints all over this game. He scored a goal in regulation. He got an assist on the game winner in overtime. And now the reports are out there, I guess, through a Swedish media outlet that Patrick Alvin is very keen to get Lekaramaki over to Abbotsford at the end of this Swedish Hockey League campaign. So good vibes as the Swedes now take on Czechia in the semifinals. For me, this is similarly raising the bar, not just for Canucks players, but for the prospects as well. How many times have we watched... Canucks players not dazzle at the World Juniors and then being like, don't panic, don't panic. Like we don't, we need to stop putting so much pressure on these guys. Like no, this is Lekaramaki's third World Juniors, and this should be the expectation that he goes over there and he's one of the best players in this tournament. Right, and he's been that. Right now, he's got to be in the running for some, what do they do, post-tournament. They do, you know, best forward, best defenseman, best goalie. But they also do, like, an all-star team. I think he leads the, media, the Swedes in yeah, scoring. Media he's picks the all-star the team. Tournament. Yeah. You know, that's a realistic goal, um, especially if the Swedes can get all the way to the gold medal game, which it kind of looks like they're on a collision course with the United States for a gold medal game. But as we saw um, from the Canadians, anything can happen uh, in this tournament. Um, you know, Lecker Mackey's a really important player for the Canucks, not just because he's one of their top prospects. He's one of their few blue chip prospects, right? Um, you know, there are some guys, you know, of course, Vlander is their other blue chip prospect that they drafted. Um, I'm quite curious about Ratu. I'd like to see him again at some point this season. But, you know, Lecker Mackey's an important player, and I don't really love, like, <laughs> you know, Brock Besser's had such a great season that I don't really want to, 
start the planning for when his contract is up. But, but it, it is well. Don't you think it's worth noting that his contract is up in in not this summer, but the following summer? Like yeah. that's pretty close, and he's UFA then, right? And if he keeps scoring like he's scoring, he's <laughs> going to be pretty expensive to keep. Um, sometimes tough choices need to be made when you're building a team and when you've got high-end talent like the Canucks have, and you're still not perfect, right? You're still not a Stanley Cup contender. It's a lot easier to make those tough decisions when you've got young guys ready to fill holes. Yep, and I'll say this. Yesterday we were talking about um, players and guys on the cusp of moving to the next level showing out in a big moment. We were talking about it specifically with Michael Penix Jr. Mm-hmm. for the University of Washington in the national football, uh, college football semifinal, throwing for 430 yards. This tournament is about showing up on the big stage. I mean, it's supposed to be, if you've got the best 19-year-olds on the planet, they're supposed to step up and carry the tournament. Very rare instances does a wonderkind come through and shine. But this is usually, if you're one of the best guys at age 19, you should dominate. You should be scoring tons of goals and you should be making big plays. Especially when you're on a good team and you're the, and you're hosting the tournament. You got the fan support like this. If Lecker, if Lecker or Mackey hadn't showed up at this tournament, I'd be, be worried. Huge concerns, yeah. right? And this is now, is this always going to translate to NHL success? No, far from it. There's so much development that needs to go into it. But what you have to say is, this is a great sign that a guy is able to take on. I mean, he's take, he's shouldering a ton of responsibility with this team. And as you mentioned, a ton of pressure mm-hmm. hosting the tournament in Sweden with a very boisterous fan base behind them. So good vibes for the Canucks on the prospects front there. Uh, let's move on to a couple games from the National Hockey League last night before we go to Jeff Merrick coming up next at 630. And we will begin with the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid, just a mere goal and four assists <laughs> last night, became the fifth fastest player in NHL history to 900 points. Oilers win 5-2 against the Flyers. Perhaps more importantly, the Oilers have now won six straight, so their second win streak of six games or more under new head coach Chris, don't call me Chuck Knobloch. They look... Really, really dangerous. And you brought up something interesting in the notes here is that McDavid has the ability to maybe win another Art Ross, even though for the first two months of the season, it looked like he was nowhere close. Yeah, I'm betting on him to do it right now. He's got 53 points in 33 games. Uh, That's third place behind McKinnon in second with 61 in 38 and Kucherov 63 in 38. McDavid won the Art Ross by like what twenty or thirty points last season. It wasn't even close, right? It was it was a, it was a wide wide gap, and he he does it because in these you know when these oh, the Oilers go on these streaks, mm-hmm. you almost you become so used to McDavid putting up crazy numbers that you almost lose perspective of how incredible it is. So on this six game win streak, he has twelve points, <laughs> right? He's averaging two points a night, and it's just like oh hum. Connor McDavid's doing Connor McDavid things. Five points last night yeah. against the Flyers. So, um, you know, everything right now is shaping up for the Oilers to be in the playoffs as a wild card team, for McDavid to be absolutely cooking going into those playoffs, and then everyone mm-hmm. being like, oh, wish they had kept Jay Woodcroft. I mean, it's possible. They, there could be a matchup with the Canucks. It's possible in the first round. Uh, we need to talk about the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, we got a text in this morning. Right? Um I, I think we probably haven't talked about them as much because the Canucks haven't played them. Same as the LA Kings, right? Well, we've talked a little bit about both teams, but 
it, it makes a difference when the te- when the Canucks play these teams. Um, I thought the Jets would fall off after Kyle Connor got hurt, mm-hmm. and it's crazy um, how well they're playing and. They're doing it without even like what people are like. How are they doing it? Do they have great special teams? Nope. <laughs> Their penalty kill is actually not very good at all. Uh, the power play is not very good. They are just a really good five on five team, and they have it should be noted a pretty high PDO like the Canucks. So the question about the Jets, um, you know, if it's fair to ask of the Canucks, it's fair to ask of the Jets. Is all of this sustainable? Um, I wonder if there's like a Winnipeg Thomas Trance that's pointing this out, possibly. On the daily? Possibly. Getting dunked on by... By the way, I I actually wonder, what percentage of our listeners know what PDO is? Or do their brands just go like, yeah, I don't care. I hear that thing all the time. PDO, in case you don't know, is just the combined uh, shooting percentage of a team and save percentage of a team. So the Canucks have a unbelievably high shooting percentage. Mm-hmm. Okay? A lot of the shots they take, like that cannon from Pew Suter last night to close out the game, go in the net. Mm-hmm. And there are skeptics out there that said that is unsustainably high. It won't keep happening. They won't keep getting the bounces. And sure. there is, you know, you can have – a good team typically has a – higher PDO than a bad team because they've got, number one, a good goaltender, and number two, good shooters. But there are degrees to how high a PDO can be. Mm-hmm. I just wonder how many times we talk about this stat and other people talk about this stat. They're just like, I have no idea what these guys are talking about. Isn't that good if you have a high save percentage, a high shooting percentage? Why is everyone treating that like it's a bad thing? I think there's just like a – there's kind of like a natural balance of where a PDO should be based on a team. And I wonder if – I wonder what's going to happen to both the Canucks and the Jets. The Jets are a great, a great, great story though, considering you know the players that have left, um, the way the playoffs ended for them last year, and um, the injury to Kyle Connor, and they're just chugging along. Uh, we got to go to break, but Laddie, real quick. Yeah, Connor Hellebuck, because you start talking about the Jets. So I pulled up his game log. I had that stat about oh, he hasn't had a sub nine twenty game in forever. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you think he's given up more than three goals in a game? Uh, it was three months or two months ago. Uh, no, Twenty six consecutive games. November second, yeah. he gave up four. That yeah. was twenty games ago. They've got between the two goalies, they've got twenty six consecutive yeah. games allowing three goals or fewer. It's crazy. That's, that's sustainable. But I bet that. But hard I'm, to lose. That's but sustainable. I bet, but I bet they're great defensively. Like oh, yeah. Rick Bonus is. A good defensive coach right and I think they probably all came together and said like listen guys especially when Connor went out like we got to tighten this up we've got to be really good at five on well Hellebuck there's rumors of him going to Buffalo and guys like Woodley were like no that's the weaknesses would be so shown mm-hmm. in that environment Winnipeg knows how to play in front of Connor Hellebuck it was smart for him to go back we'll continue the conversation on about the Canucks and the Oilers and the Jets and anything else in the NHL with Jeff Merrick coming up next on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650 the most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah be sure to subscribe on Apple Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts
633 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Brough, Sportsnet 650. Halford Brough of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour one of the program. Jeff Merrick is going to join us in just a moment here. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. Pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them, 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Uh, that Ian Cole goal you just heard, the first of five in the first period for the Canucks in an eventual 6-3 win over the Ottawa Senators last night. Joining us now to talk about all that and more from the Jeff Merrick Show and the 32 Thoughts podcast, it's Jeff Merrick here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Jeff. Happy New Year. Morning. Happy New Year. Best period we've seen from the Vancouver Canucks all season. Uh, yeah, Rick Tockett said as much in the aftermath as well. First time yeah, no in surprise. five years that they've scored five times in the first period. Back in 2019, they did it against Florida. Uh, I don't know how late you stayed up if you got to catch all this game, but you only needed to catch oh, yeah. 15 minutes in the first period. That's all you needed to see. Nothing else <laughs> happened after that, but another impressive no, performance from the Canucks last night. Had to stay up to watch uh, to watch that game, uh, watch the Martin Jones shutout in the Leafs' uh, victory over the Los Angeles Kings, and then also watched the San Jose Sharks lose, comma, again. Uh, second time this year they've had a, a nine-game losing streak. So, yeah, it was a, it was a fun night of uh, hockey yesterday, absolutely. Is Rick Tockett your choice for Coach of the Year right now? Because another guy that just came through <sighs> Vancouver is making a pretty good case with the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, I'll throw another one out at you. Rick Bonus. Yeah. yeah. We keep saying, like, we got to talk more about the Jets. What they're doing is impressive. And then we're <laughs> just like, notes. well, we'll maybe next time. Like, well, the Canucks haven't played them yet. So and right. they, we, the Canucks haven't played the Kings either. So, you know, it's uh, oftentimes on our show, it's it's revolving around who the Canucks are playing. I get um, it. I get but, it. But tell us how. So, okay. So tell me how the Jets are doing it without Kyle Connor. With very yep. mediocre special teams, I looked at it last night. Like their PK isn't very good, their power play isn't very good. Yeah, um, are they the greatest five-on-five team in the history of the NHL or something? Last regulation loss was December the twelfth, and here here's the stunner. I mean, this should this should surprise exactly nobody when you consider the uh, the nature of how Rick Bonus coaches the Winnipeg Jets have allowed three or fewer goals in 26 consecutive games. Yeah. You don't now. I think a lot of that is Connor Hellebuck too, who we probably don't talk about enough as well. I know I'm guilty of that uh, as well. Um, but listen, I think that Shifley has been real good. Nick Ehlers has been really good. Gabe Velarde, I think is, is showing a lot of people that the Winnipeg Jets probably won that trade. The Pierre-Luc Dubois trade with the, with the Los Angeles Kings. Um, like this is impressive. And I think a lot of it is done based on the defensive acumen the team has and, and they're nasty, right? Like it's, it's also like a, a nasty, tough team to play against and they get, you know, contributions up and down the lineup. Like you look at that win last night against the Tampa Bay lightning, who's front and center, Vlad Nemestikov with three assists. Like it's, it, I'm with you. Like I keep looking at this and saying, how are they doing this without Kyle Connor specifically? And it's been a really impressive job and we should say not just rick bonus but scott arneal as well mm. i mean arneal was part of this when when bonus had to uh, go and be with his with his wife who was ailing uh for uh, for a number of time for a number of a number of weeks as well so um talk in the conversation twitterella is in the conversation although the 
Flyers. I, I wonder at what point the, the, the clock strikes midnight with the Philadelphia Flyers, but I think definitely Rick Bonus should be in that conversation. You know, I don't, watching the Flyers, they just seem like a they just seem like a solid team, and maybe that's because they've dominated the Canucks in both their games. But they just seem like they're hard nosed, and maybe that's maybe that's Torts. But I always think that Torts is best when he he takes over a team that is craving an identity. And I think one of the reasons he didn't work out in Vancouver is that he took over a team that had actually had a lot of success quite recently. Yep. But when totally he takes agree. over a team like Columbus or Philly, and, and it, I don't know if there was a team in the NHL that was craving an identity more than the Philadelphia Flyers were, but like he mm-hmm. can give that to them. Don't you agree? I agree with that. And you know what? I, you, you really saw it with, um, with Cam York. Like I, I keep pointing at Cam York as being the ultimate example of what John Tortorella is doing with this team. And if you'll recall last season coming out of training camp, everybody already had Cam York penciled in the top four spot um, with the Philadelphia Flyers on the back end. He gets cut and he gets sent to Lehigh Valley. And we hear a lot of things out of Tortorella about, you know, you, you can't just expect to be handed a position. You got to earn it. I mean, Zamula started the season in the, the spot that we all thought Cam York was going to have. York went down to Lehigh Valley. I think it was 20, maybe 25 games. And then he got called back up. Now, many of us believe that that was a test. Like one thing that Tortorella does is he tests who really wants to be there or not. And he gives you challenges and he gives you hurdles. And, you know, who's going to bite down on the mouth guard and bend their knees and pass the test? And, you know, who's going to run out behind the rink after practice and call their agent right away? And Cam York went down to Lehigh Valley, you know, worked his ass off. And came back, and that was, I think, in John Tortorella's mind, him passing the test. He didn't go down to Lehigh Valley with boo-boo face. He didn't go down there and pout. You know, the agent didn't start, you know, calling the general manager uh, on the hour demanding a trade. And if you look, ever since then, John Tortorella has gone out of his way to praise York. And I think more so than anything else, he understands that a pat on the back is about 18 inches away from a kick in the ass. And he knows when to use both things appropriately. Like that's the thing about, and you know, Briere has talked about this. Keith Jones has talked about this. Dan Hilferty has talked about this. You know, what they're trying to figure out here is, you know, who's part of the core, who's going to be part of the solution, who wants to be here long-term. And the other interesting thing about the Philadelphia Flyers is, and I had Briere on the show a couple of weeks ago, even if the Flyers were in a playoff position come trade deadline time, if they get the right price for Sean Walker, he's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, if they get the right place, price for Nick Steeler, he's gone. Like, this is still eyes on the big prize. And you know who's coming. I mean, if you're watching the juniors, you know how good Cutter Goche is. And although it might take a little bit longer for Matt Mitchkoff to, to make it to the NHL, you know what kind of prospect he is. So circling back to Tortorella, I mean, I'm with you. I think that when he has a team that he can mold as opposed to one where the, 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 the cement has already hardened, he's a really effective coach. Now, you may make the point, maybe rightfully so, that he's the wrong coach for a rebuild because if you're rebuilding, you want to be in the lottery every year. Hello, Chicago, San Jose, et cetera, Columbus. Um, but I think what he is doing is he's providing and, and cementing here a, a, a strong base of identity for a Philadelphia Flyers team that, to your point, was was struggling to have one and find one. 
We're speaking to Jeff Merrick, host of the Jeff Merrick Show and the 32 Thoughts podcast here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Um, I wanted to circle back to the Jets and follow up on a story that I heard on your show yesterday, Jeff. The Cole yeah. Perfetti, uh, yeah. Ryan Hartman thing. Can you explain exactly what happened here? During the holiday break, I kind of missed like Brendan Dillon injuring Kapoor. Kaprizov and I sort yeah. of missed the rivalry that was simmering between these two and now there's yeah. there's microphones involved and people admitting high <laughs> sticks I'm, I'm very confused tell me what's going on here okay so um every now and then like one of my favorite sort of undercover undercover rivalries in the NHL is Winnipeg and Minnesota yeah and every now and then it flares up and it gets really really nasty I, I love it it's Manitoba versus Minnesota and it's great and I'm dying for these guys you know, to, to meet in the playoffs here and, you know, have, have seven games of nastiness. And when it gets nasty between these two teams, it really gets nasty. So uh, Winnipeg just took two from Minnesota, played a two-game set over the weekend. Congratulations to the Minnesota Wild. They continue, or the Winnipeg Jets, they continue to roll. I know Minnesota has been ravaged with, with injuries, but nonetheless, let's bracket that for a second. So you're right. Brendan Dillon catches Karel Kaprizov, and he's injured and he's out. And in game two, uh, while Cole Perfetti is wearing the mic for that game, and by the way, both teams are made aware of who is wearing the mic, okay? So everybody should know, okay, this, this guy's wearing a wire. Right, this guy's right. wearing a wire. Watch what you say about him, around him. He's wearing the wire. Everybody knows, okay? So uh, apparently captured on the audio, as Cole Perfetti tells it, is, uh, is Ryan Hartman saying, Hey, you know what? You're, you're, you're going to get it. I know you didn't have anything to do with Kaprizov, but if you go after our skill guy, we're going to go after yours. I'm paraphrasing here, but that's the basic vibe. And off the face-off, Ryan Hartman off the draw smacks him in the face, smacks him in the jaw with his stick. Mm-hmm. Now, someone told me yesterday that if Cole Perfetti wasn't wearing a mouse guard, he might have lost his entire top row of teeth that it was the mouse guard that actually saved all of Cole Perfetti's top row of, of, of teeth here. I mean, listen, a move like that can also break a jaw. It was anyway, a super greasy move. It I saw totally the play. Greasy. It was really greasy. Face-off, listen, fa- there's a whole show to be done on, on, on face-off tricks and sneaky, dirty plays. Remember when we were just talking about the Flyers, Danny Briere used to do this move where he would choke up on his stick on a face-off, and when the puck was dropped, he would spin – and essentially get a free butt end on the face of someone and just like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just take, take, take the draw. And like, that was like a, a Danny Breer was one of the sneakiest, dirtiest face-off guys in the league in his era. Anyway, Hartman catches him uh, in the face on that one after essentially saying like, yeah, you're going to get it. And I'm going to be the guy that, that gives it to you. This is, this is payback for Kaprizov. Now I checked with this yesterday and it is true. Going back to the, uh, the lockout of 0405, the agreement coming out of uh, uh, when the lockout was over, the NHL wanted players to wear microphones during the game. Now, the only way they could get the Players Association to go along with that is none of the audio can be used in cases of discipline. So as much as you may look at that and say, well, that's premeditated, that's intent to injure, he said, I'm going to get you, and then he does, none of that, before in court here, none of that is admissible. This is like law and order. The judge would not allow it. Now, this is, I mean, you know this. You guys follow the game every single day. You know this this season has been like an ongoing soap opera, right? Like this has been the most 
this has been the most telenovela season we've ever seen in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to your calendars and you want to circle the next time these two teams meet, it's February the 20th. It's a Tuesday night. And, uh, yeah, I, in I Winnipeg. don't think that it's uh, – get your tickets now, folks. <laughs> uh, see the return of Ryan Hartman to Winnipeg. Uh, Do those games yeah, still exist, though, Jeff? Like, I I remember when – Not like when... before. No, not no like they before. don't really, right? Not like before. Uh, you know, it's funny, too, because generally – that's a really good point. Because generally, it's not the immediate game after because the NHL sort of always warns both teams <laughs> we're going to have extra eyeballs on you. Don't do anything when it's obvious. It's usually the game after that one where it's sort of maybe the temperature has been taken down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that's when some of the, the nastiness comes out. But, I mean, listen, someone's going after Ryan Hartman eventually uh-huh. from the Winnipeg Jets. Like, you don't you don't get away with that. I mean, the the Jets organization expects it. The fans expect it. I think everybody expects it at this point. But, again, it's like this is a moment where I want to remind people one of the great undercover rivalries in the NHL is Winnipeg and Minnesota. It really is. Um, Rick Bonus also alluded to it as well. I think I'm paraphrasing, but he essentially said if we knew at the time that that's what Hartman did prior to uh, high-sticking Perfetti, our answer would have been a lot different. And I think like February yep. 20th, it's like, well, we'll give him our answer then. Uh, I wanted to move on, Jeff, real quick. A couple different <laughs> news and notes from around. So we've been doing this for a long time with Merrick, right? Dating all the way back to the Curtain Blog show way back in the day. Oh, and so we've been, we have ca- covered and talked about countless, countless World Junior Championships with you. And I feel like every time that Canada bows out early, we always have the question, is it time to call an emergency summit? Because things are wrong. Things are not well. Things are not great. Um, You're not going to ask that question, are you? Yeah, do we need a summit? No. No, uh, But but what went wrong for Canada this tournament to bow out in the quarterfinals? Uh, They had a hard time scoring goals. Um, They had a good blue line not a great one and uh as much as it it pains you to pin everything on the netminder um matisse russo is not a big goaltender and if you look at that game yesterday specifically that first goal is a small goaltender goal um and even the bounce like if he's a bigger goaltender he seals up more of the bottom of the ice like that's why that's what people will point to and will say that's why there aren't a lot of small goalies in the nhl um, now, who knows? Like, Russo may end up with an NHL team and, and have a, a wonderful pro career. I don't know. But, you know, there's this is one of the reasons people point to is why he's, you know, he's gone through drafts before. Um, the best way that I heard it put to me is one more thing on the goaltending issue. Um, the best way that I've heard it put to me is, is someone that works in the goalie department for an NHL team. We we're having a conversation about, you know, the big goaltenders and, you know, why there aren't smaller guys. Like, look how good. Saros is look at Alex Nadelkovic like there's room for smaller goalies right and this person said bluntly to me said well yeah I guess there is for a few but the problem is there's a real luxury in having a big goaltender because big goaltenders can make accidental saves yeah saves it's just like the puck just bounces off them because they're big and they're just able to take up more space in the net um I don't want to, again I don't want to pin all of this on on Russo I felt awful watching the cutaway shot to his parents after the game was over, like there's a special place in heaven for goalie moms. There really should be an entire show dedicated to goalie moms. It's why no, it's no, it's no parents want their kids to be goalie because it's. I like think that's part of it in Canada. Excruciating to watch. Excruciating to watch. Yeah. I think you've. I think you nailed that one. Um, special place in heaven for the goalie moms. Shout out goalie moms out there. 
Um, but I, I think that there were a lot of things going against Canada in this one. I mean, a lot of the players that were, you know, would have been made available are playing in the NHL, whether it's Bedard or Fantilli or Korchinski or Benson or Wright. Like, mm-hmm. I know Sweden will say, well, hang on, Leo Carlson's in Anaheim. So you're not the only one. I get all that. Um, but I don't think it's summit worthy. I just think that, A, it's hard to win back to back. And it's really, it's even harder to three-peat. And that's what Canada was trying to do this time Jeff, this was great, man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to do it. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll do this again uh, next Wednesday. Really quick around the table, who wins this whole thing in the juniors? Uh, uh, we're, well, we're, we're, a, we're a Swedish yeah, city yeah. here. Vancouver yeah, yeah. is loaded. I understand. Yeah. I understand, but that was close yesterday, guys. It wasn't great. I'm not going to lie. It was the semi. I, I kind of, I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. I don't get too invested into this tournament until the medal rounds really begin. Yep. But yep. Um, I was kind of keeping an eye on it from afar. And like the semifinals, it was interesting because it looked as though Sweden really had to fight tooth and nail with the Swiss. Canada obviously yep. would check you. And then the U.S. blew the doors. Off a lab. The Americans look good. Americans the Americans look good. look good just in general They're in good. hockey right now, yeah. and it's the They're worst good. thing ever. And I might stop liking <laughs> hockey. Cause put, it this I, way. Put, put it this way. Cole Eiserman may go second overall. He wasn't even a consideration for this team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the Americans are uh, – that, that, that might be the summit. How do we deal with the Americans? But I, I, don't, know, do we, I yeah. don't know how we do. I, I don't know. We got to make the I, – I don't know if you can make the game cheaper to play, but – you know they, they. You know what? Now, know. now you need to start lobbying Gary Bettman not to send NHLers to the Olympics. Like, just do the total opposite. Like, we're yeah. so terrified of the Americans. Like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> eh, let's just let them play in the NHL. Yeah, we, you know, national hockey. We we, we won the last one in Sochi, and uh, we choose not to play anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, thanks for doing this, buddy. Awesome. All right, thanks, boys. Talk to you next week. Uh, Jeff Merrick from the Jeff Merrick Show and the Thirty Two Thoughts Podcast here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet Six Fifty. Oh, laddies. Laddie's champing at the bit over there. there no, was... I I agree with largely what, what I know. Jeff that's was what saying. It's yeah. it's not good or bad. There's any goalie talk you perk up. It's like a dog with a milk well, bone. I think the one thing he didn't mention is the fact that Russo I thought was overplaying things a little bit. And when you are a smaller goaltender, it becomes a big deal. When you like look on the final goal, right? He was yes, it was a double deflection, super unlucky. But if he just stays where he is, he's not sliding on that initial opportunity, mm-hmm. taking himself out of the frame. You know, if he's a bigger guy, maybe his right pad clips that and it stays out of the net. So it's just, it's so tough when you're a five eleven goalie. When it comes to the Americans, how many times have we heard about some sport? Like if the Americans ever decided to really commit to this sport, they'd be amazing. Like we hear it in hockey, we hear it in soccer, we hear it mm-hmm. in. Um, I've heard it in rugby a lot. Yeah. Like if the Americans, with all the football players they got, they've got, like if they've ever, you know, decide to commit to rugby, they could easily be the best they got the team in the world. And they got the population. But, but, you know, you still need the culture, right? You need the culture of winning. And I think the Americans are pretty close with hockey. Um, but I do think the expectations, you know, some people will say they hurt because they put pressure on it. But I think those expectations actually find the players that play well in those high pressure situations. Yeah. And Canada's still got that. But, you know, I'm certainly not going to, I'm not lying to myself here. When I look at the lineups of the Americans that they could have for a best on best tournament with Canada, I think they match up up front on defense and they blatantly outshine. In the goaltender position. I mean, the, yeah, the goalie thing's a conversation unto itself. And I'm yes. sure Laddie has countless, countless theories on this. But the reality of it is, is if Canada was going to compile 
a best-on-best tournament roster right now, there's a very good chance that Carter Hart would be their goalie. Right? I mean, honestly, that's yeah. I, I don't know who would be – who would it be, Laddie? Tristan Jari. If you had to pay – yeah, and he got he got yanked last night out of that game against the Capitals. Mm. Um, if you had to pick right now, new year, new roster, January 3rd, 2024, Canada's number one goalie starter gold medal game against the U.S. is? It's got to be Carter Hart. I think it It's does. still him. And he's splitting time. What's Carey Price doing? Erson. What's Carey Price up to these yeah. days? Not winning a gold medal for Canada anytime soon. I think our only hope is that the Americans have like they they have like a, a massive fight in the dressing room between the goalies or because the brothers like, Demko's like I should be playing and Ottinger's like no I should be I playing do, and Hellebuck should be we like should get, no we should get Canadian media to start it start yeah. the conference. I do think the Yo, USA, I hear this guy was talking trash. Yeah, the, yeah. Tearing this team apart. The USA goalie thing's well, a little overblown. I think dishwasher comment. Yeah. Goalies the the top expected goalies this year in the NHL for the top nine. Are Canadians, so I think it's a little overblown about how much Who of a difference it is. Uh, Jari is yeah. one of them. Uh, you put me on the spot here. You brought it up. I gotta think. I gotta pull it up now. Aiden you Hill. had four of the nine. In- Ingram yeah. was one of them. Everybody knows the names. Aiden Hill. Oh, it would be the Vegas guys. Yeah, Vegas. Yeah. Uh, Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill are the others. Right. Yeah. So four of the top nine, right there. Um, okay, we got a lot more to get to on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Open segment coming up. We'll dive into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket at 650, 650. If you want to weigh in on last night's win, 6-3 for the Vancouver Canucks over the Ottawa Senators, you can do so. Uh, we can get into some of the other NHL scores as well. At 740-740, Chris Peters. You're going to make a big thing about this all show, aren't you? I love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> not Seven, 739. Not 7, 741. If we don't hit the right on the nose at 740, we will have up. failed. Yes. Uh, Chris Peters from Flow Hockey is going to join us. Uh, he is our prospects expert. We'll talk about everything that's going on at the World Juniors, including the three Swedes uh, that uh, are prospects of the Vancouver Canucks, currently in the semifinals, uh, coming up in a day's time. Uh, and then at 8 o'clock, Randy Janda is going to join the program. He is the color analyst for the Vancouver Canucks here on Sportsnet 650. A lot more to get into. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.